This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Dojo Live. Today is Wednesday, September 22nd. It's 12 p.m. Pacific. I'm Tulia Sergusa, broadcasting from Southern California, sunny Southern California, and I'm joined by Cam Lantis in sunny Hermosillo, Mexico. And, Not today. It's cloudy. Car- oh, cloudy Hermosillo, Mexico. <laughs> and Carlos Ponce in Cornavaca, Mexico. I'm not sure if oh, it's yeah. rainy, cloudy, or, or sunny. But it's, it's always sunny, sunny on sunny, July. It's always sunny. Yeah, absolutely. It's always sunny, especially here. <laughs> and it's five o'clock somewhere, according to Jimmy Buffett. So anyway, uh, we have our guest today, Ade Adeyemo who's the founder of Joko Inc. We're going to have an interesting conversation today. Welcome to the show, Ade. It's good to have you. I know you're broadcasting from the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. Welcome to Dojo Live. Thank you. The not-so-sunny Seattle. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty But when it's sunny, it's really pretty in Seattle. So uh, here we go. So today we're talking about the creator economy. But before we go into the topic, Today, let's get to know our guest a little bit. Uh, Ade, would you please just tell us a little bit about yourself, and and then we'll we'll find out what Joko's all about. But tell us about you a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my name is Ade Adeyemo, and I um I my background is in finance, and I've recently taken a what you may call a left turn. And um, after going to graduate school at University of Washington, I've um, embarked on a journey where I founded Joko. And what we do is we tell the stories of unique recording artists in a way that builds a stronger bond between the artists and the viewers. And um, yeah, thank you for having me. It's good to have you. So I know when we were off the air a little bit, you were telling us how Joko is a culmination of everything you love. Like you made (laughs) your passions, your business. Tell us a little bit about that. What gave birth to this idea and uh, what is it exactly that you guys do? Um, so yes, I, I've always more or less been a, um, you may call it like a music enthusiast, um, not a musician, but just generally just been in and around the music industry and have friends that are musicians. And my professional career was in banking and, um, you know, going through undergrad studying econ and then going into the financial services industry. I was always in and around transactions or something related to demand and supply, if you may, um, which I kind of understood easier. Uh, that you know, what's funny is I, I was initially a computer science major, and it worked out for a little bit. But then when I took an econ class, I was like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And so I've sort of blended those passions of the creative side and um, the analytical side, and formed Joko in a way that meets a need within the space of um, the music industry today. All right. Well, what an interesting uh, turn of events. Congratulations. It's always exciting to see people pursuing their loves, right? The things that that uh, make them uh, tick. So um, uh, let's go right into the topic and see what we can learn today. Let's kick it off. Mm-hmm. Carlos, please introduce the show. Absolutely. Thank you, Tulio. So... Today, we're going to be speaking about the, as you mentioned it earlier, Tulio, alternative economy, specifically alternative business models in today's creator economy, 
And we're, we're also going to be touching on how to use technology to unlock value for creators in the music industry. That's what our guest chose for today. So let's start there, Ade. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose this particular topic for today's conversation? And why did you feel that it might be relevant for today's day and age? Thank you. Um, it's because it's a really good time to talk about content and there are very exciting things going on in what you could call what you call quote unquote the creator economy. Um, it's relevant today because we're in the middle of this big change. And so um, I've spent a lot of time researching that space for my business and also just in general out of um, interest. And I see a lot of new things, a lot of dynamic things and i think that we are noticing that more and more people are becoming in some way or form part of this creator economy and so that's why it's relevant today thank you ade so ade i'm curious to just kind of uh let's sort of peel the onion a little bit right the music mm -hmm. industry has gone through quite a evolution in the recent 10 to 20 years uh, it's changed dramatically self-publishing has become a big thing uh, similar to even the publishing business with with authors right but that's also created opportunity and challenges because now it's a lot more crowded and you know getting to the right audience and building that audience is is quite challenging whereas before mm -hmm. maybe you had a, a music label that already had that baked in right so yeah. what is it that's becoming an opportunity and also the challenge in today's age as it relates to people in the music industry and okay. how is it that joko is sort of filling the gap or uh uh solving some of those challenges that are or that are that have arisen in that industry okay thank you tulio let me put it in context right i think it's better if we look at it more from what's going on on a broader level, and then we can narrow it down to what's going on in the music industry. Would that be okay? Yes, great. Okay, so first of all, what, what, what really is this creator economy, right? It's it's businesses that are started by self-employed people, right? And, and they just make money off of their skills, their knowledge, or their following. And what used to happen in the past was you would have a large brand or a couple of large brands, they would need, they would, you know, engage with, they would, they would work with creators to make content and drive engagement towards their brands. But what happened was, and it still happens, is these brands have control over what creator, what kind of content and who's getting paid. So there's sort of this gatekeeping dynamic in that space. But then with the rise of digital platforms like YouTube and Instagram, and, and Vine is gone now, but Vine played a crucial part too, people were able to amass large followings. And that gave them some leverage. And so what happens obviously is like, well, if you're a creator, you say, well, if I have this large following, how do I make money off of my following? And so, you know, this question of monetization has occurred. Um, startups have come to meet that demand. And so to tie it now back to your question, you'll find that most startups in this space are in three buckets. They're in content creation, they're in monetization, or they're in financing. And to put it into perspective, you have $1.3 billion so far in 2021 invested in the creator economy. 
and it's only going to increase. And so now, whenever we see that, okay, these are the tools that are actually helping the content creators, you think, all right, what, what gap am I going to fill as a startup, right? And so Joko comes in and says, hey, specific to the music industry, because musicians are a, they are their own type of creators, if you look at them as creators, um, while there are tools to help somebody that's making content on YouTube to monetize their fans more efficiently, musicians don't necessarily, at least based on my research, they don't want to be data scientists or, or market research professionals. What they want is how can I do what I do and get paid a fair share? And so that's how we built Joko around meeting that need. And it then involves us touching on three of those buckets um, to different extents. So in a way, Joko is creating content, Joko is monetizing this content, and Joko is helping these artists make money from it, which you could consider financing. Fascinating. So, so uh, in essence, you're saying to the musicians out there, do what you do best and we'll take care of the rest. Yes, full service. <laughs> full service. Wow, amazing. But they, I find it interesting that uh, the, um, the phrase that is placed right on your website, the, the first one that you see when you go to your website, stories yeah. behind the music. Okay, mm -hmm. it's uh, for a number of re for number of reasons it uh, strikes a chord because uh, Dojo Life's tagline is the stories that bring us together, right? So it's like sort yeah. of like a tagline, right? So it's about mm -hmm. storytelling. So my question is, how do you? What criteria do you use to curate your content in terms of the stories that are shared, or what? How? What do you mean? When you say stories behind the music, can you give us an example or walk us through yes. how the, cur the curation process? Yeah, yeah. So think about when you would discover a new musician or new music. Back in the day, we started out with audio, mm -hmm. right? And then it evolved and we added video to that experience. And now what we're doing is we're combining audio and video and we're adding the story, which gives a, a bigger context to that experience of discovery. Um, how we curate this is it's actually a very interesting experience. We don't know what to expect. Just the same way, you know, on Dojo Live, you don't know what I'm going to say. There is no real script to it. But what mm -hmm. we do is we spend a lot of time engaging with the artist and their teams and building out this experience for them, which they do enjoy because they have a hand in like saying, okay, this is what I want to do when I'm talking about, you know, my life. And this is what I want to talk about. So giving them the ability to build their story with us makes them always generally receptive to work with us. Um, and yeah, curation is really largely in their hands. We just make it look nice for them. Okay, interesting. Now, historically, just going backwards mm -hmm. a little bit, the labels would create the story around the stars, right? So you didn't necessarily yeah. have your true authentic self represented. There was some kind of packaged exactly. product that was put into the marketplace. And mm -hmm. I know I've heard of some artists who struggled through that, right? And they were like, I don't want to yeah. do this kind of music. I want to do something else. I, someone mm -hmm. like Jewel, right, who eventually said, I'm not doing this. I'm doing my own thing. So 
if I'm hearing this correctly, what Joko's doing, it's not just helping these creators put the music out there, monetize the music, but it's helping the fans actually have a, a sort of intimate relationship with the creator by exposing who they are, by creating a process where I can get to know you as the artist, which gives more context, more meaning behind perhaps the music you're creating. Um, is yeah. that okay? So how has that been received? Is there like a generational thing that's working better or certain like, or millennials more interested in that kind of scenario? Or is everyone interested mm -hmm. in that kind of scenario? What are you seeing in terms of adoption in the marketplace? Gen Z gets it best. Really? Yeah. And, you know, because I work with a lot of younger people, you see, I can think about, yes, we want to tell a story, but I definitely depend on a lot of people within that generation to give feedback on what it is that they want to see and how they want it presented. Like, for example, um, let me give you like a very good example. We just did the first one and, you know, we, we did mixed media. And we did a, a VHS camera and a high definition camera. And we found a very nice way to combine these two viewing experiences. But when, when like a millennial um, sees it, sometimes, you know, the video, the VHS could be, boy, why isn't it stabilized? Or I want to see the person's face a little more. And like, what's the scrambling channel thing? But when Gen Z sees that, it's like, oh, this is cool. Like, I like it, you know? And yeah. so... We build it more for Gen Z. Um, there's a lot of like creative leverage, especially too in that space. And that's what we're seeing from adoption to answer your question. Very cool. So are they, uh, is, uh, you are, let's call it summoning creators, right? To reach out to you and uh to do something with their creations basically right so so uh no I yes my... say we're summoning them we actually select who we work with mm. no but is this because, like a know, call sorry. is this like a call for entries kind of thing or then, then you no, can no, not it? not with not with musicians no no we oh, okay, we just okay. say this is who we want to work with and oh, then we find a way okay. to reach them in our okay. experience generally they don't say no because you know we've built this with their incentives aligned with ours. Mm, I see. So there's a there's a high level of curation yeah. involved. We don't just um, take anybody, so to speak. Okay. So, so how does you. a musician you. get your attention? You you choose them, you reach out to them, or I yeah. think Carlos was asking, how do I pitch you guys if I want to be part of this? I'm I'm you hearing know, you don't you can't pitch us. How do you how does someone someone's interested in participating? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that? honestly, <laughs> they could in, they could just email me or actually the company email. We're still very early stage, so not many know what's going on. But okay. if they wanted to reach out, yeah, they could reach out to me directly or to the company email at info um, at joko .live. and you know we'll reply, we'll respond. I, I mean, Carlos is a pretty I good flute player. Respond. Maybe he wants to have representation. <laughs> do, do, um, do, do Gen Z listen to your flute playing? No, I just play for fun. I mean, I'm not a pro by it. Not, not even, but not the, for the stretch of your imagination. It's just for fun. So technology, you, never know. you say, we can make something work out. 
Ooh, Probably. Who knows? <laughs> let me let me New grab career. my fluid. Let me grab my fluid. Right <laughs> here. I got it right here. So okay. Oh, nice. So at the you mentioned yeah. using technology to unlock value for yes. creators. Would you mm -hmm. mind touching on that a little bit? What type of technology are you talking about specifically? For those who might be watching and are not sure about what you mean by technology. Yeah. So what, what technology are you referencing? Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but in the startup space right now, there are a lot of companies that are doing this marketplace business. And... We have a different way, a tech-enabled way of approaching it that's not the traditional marketplace. So um, to answer your question broadly, we've built a unique tech-enabled marketplace that mm -hmm. helps the artists that we work with to earn more from streaming than they mm -hmm. would on another streaming platform. But to go into more detail, where you have a lot of marketplaces are two-sided marketplace where somebody wants something and somebody has it, and then this entity comes in the middle to match the demand and supply. We take a different approach where we're more of a market maker. Hmm. So I'll give you an example. And I think this is a very unique business model, which you know I've not seen it done anywhere else. But think about Uber or any other like, marketplace that we work with today you want a car you want to go somewhere you need a car and then you know the technology platform is going to find somebody that has a car and mm -hmm. match you so the way i like to talk about how a um, market maker works is think about one car only one car stationary car but you want to use it and i want to use it and the technology is matching us and we're transacting between each other mm -hmm. So it's less cars, but we're still getting what we want done. Mm, mm -hmm. It's see. just that you can't you can't necessarily you know. I guess it it it's not like you're going to depend on that one car continually. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, there'll be more cars, but now more people are using it and transacting versus like saying, "Okay, I need a car and I need a ride," and then we have to do that over and over and over again. It really does like adjust the um, the risk factors with demand and supply in marketplaces. Mm, I see. Okay, thank you, Ade. So, you know, okay, I'm guys, I'm I'm listening and I'm thinking to myself, what other industry could use this? And I and I can't stop having this voice tell me the publishing industry, like books, uh, authors. You know, uh, yeah. Is this eventually something you might leverage to? go beyond music and other creators yes, actually like authors and you know people like that yes um you know i get that a lot i like i said i really just started with music because that's where i'm interested in but we see the application in other forms of um, content like somebody has mentioned comedy hmm. i don't know Maybe. comedy we'll see <laughs> oh that's an interesting one yeah i mean uh, yeah. i see a lot of comics there you know they could do their skits on uh instagram or tiktok but they don't really monetize that unless they got a you know a sponsor right but yeah. that could be an interesting yeah. one for sure 
I can't envision yeah, even well, animators. For, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we can start. We're expanding about your what business scope as we talk. At yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing is, there are nuances to each of these types of creators. You know, it's a lot of times these things appear to be like one size fits all. But in building this, I've come to realize there are a lot of nuances to take into account. Um, some either owing to how that person like puts out their craft, you know, frequency and like, how do they actually get it to customers? Um, there's some other things to think about, but it does definitely have application in other spaces within the content creation area. Very cool. So I would like to turn the conversation a bit back toward you and your yeah. personal story and toward your personal story. Um, so your joke okay. was you're pretty early on, but let's talk about um, what has gone right and maybe what has gone wrong. So what would the you of today tell you yourself, you know, that year, two, three ago? What have you learned throughout this entire process? Two, three years ago, me? Is that who I'm talking to? Sure. What, when, would, when did Joko first come about? I mean, the reason I asked that is I would tell myself different things depending on like how many years ago uh -huh. it was. But two, three years ago, um, your question was what I've learned. What was your, can you repeat your question again? Sorry. Yes, yeah, sure. I'm sorry. Yeah, what you've learned. Let's talk about what's gone right and what maybe hasn't gone the oh. way you would have hoped. Um, so let's talk about oh. lear lessons learned throughout this entire process in your early stages. Of oh, your yeah. You know, there are a lot of mistakes in like <laughs> putting together a startup. Um, <laughs> so many times, like I don't even, I don't even care about the mistakes to be very honest. It's just kind of like having a, uh, a write-off account really. It's like, yeah, it's gonna happen. All right, now how do we fix it? That's the way I think about it. When I started off like working on it, you know, you'll make a mistake. So example, I've sometimes I feel like, oh, you know, it's time to like do customer facing things. And then a lot of times I'm like, no, maybe not now. <laughs> so that's happened a few times, um, but I'm a lot more cautious about that. So that's just like one example. I will say though, that the experience has definitely helped in helping me take on more responsibility because so I'll tell you, for example, you know, you're building something and then if your engineer tells you, hey, we had a malware attack, me three years ago would almost melt down. Like, oh my gosh, look how much we've put into this. Is everything over? But now it's thinking more like, okay, cool. Like, how do we figure out how to fix this and continue with what we're doing? And I think that that's being able to approach life with that kind of an attitude and mentality, it it goes beyond building Joko, you know, it's more like uh, helping me grow as a person. Um, so I wouldn't say things have really gone wrong. It's just, you know, it's just what happens when you're building. That's the way I think about it. Lesson, lessons, right? Yeah, lessons. Yeah. It's a common theme. Have you it's a common theme I've heard from many entrepreneurs about the uh, the the journey of self-realization 
building a business, being an entrepreneur. It really challenges you to the core and uh, either you break down and give up or you grow. Uh, so congratulations for that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing this theme over and over and uh, in terms of the, the creator economy, yeah. and that's been going on probably for two decades, but it's really coming to life now. It's personalization. Is that what's driving all this? Just personalization. People want things to be a specific way that triggers some kind of personal, emotional feeling. Uh, and the companies that get that do very well. I mean, Apple's done a great job. You know, when Steve mm. Jobs was around in building an emotional attachment to a product. Is this what's driving mm. a lot of this this creator economy, the need, the desire for that personalization for something that's not yeah. cookie cutter for all, that's a little bit more niche? What would you have to yes. say about that? Yes, I would agree. Um from a from a viewer standpoint or a consumer standpoint, it's personalization. You know, it's like, does this thing mean something to me? Versus if I'm just watching something and from a business's standpoint, it's differentiation. So am I doing what everybody else is doing and just trying to put something out there so that, you know, maybe I can scale or am I really like focusing on a niche and actually giving them what they want? So people are looking for differentiated content and differentiated content usually tends to drive, you know, um, a, a deeper connection. It's more personal. Very cool. Well, right. we're up. We're coming up on time. You guys have any other questions uh, before we wrap I it up? I was just curious as to any insight you might have on how personalization differentiation can scale, right? It's my initial thought is that this is a slow, tedious one-on-one -on -one approach. But how does technology help that go big? Okay. Well, I don't know how. <laughs> different businesses plan on scaling, but I can speak for Joko. Um, first of all, we have, we're considering two very different ways of scaling. In, in doing the first episode, we noticed that a lot of artists resonate with what we're doing and artists have a follower base. So one way to approach scale could be, hey, do we start doing episodes with bigger artists that are bringing larger numbers to the platform? Or if people, you know, start actually doing this, but don't know how to monetize it, maybe we help them and just have the content, you know, either on our platform or on their platform, but take more of a B2B dimension and say, okay, let me show, let's show you how our technology helps you make money with this. Right. But I mean, the beautiful thing about personalization, you'd be surprised how many people like the same things. <laughs> there's like 8 yeah, billion yeah, people, absolutely. you know, there's a good number of us mm -hmm. who like the same stuff. We're not, we're not yeah. that different, even though we like the things to personalize. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, that's very true. So we're, we're up on time, but we want to ask one final question. Any words of wisdom in terms of uh, anyone who's maybe, you know, a banker and isn't having a good time being a banker and decide, you know what, I want to go down this path of creative work and technology. I'm, I'm picking on bankers, but it could be anyone. The idea of changing lane, if you will, uh, from having oh. invested a lot of time and energy in education and then changing lane. Any words of advice for those who might be sitting yeah. on the fence about worrying about changing lane? What would yeah, you Yeah, I met say? someone that was in the middle of it. 
um, she was a consultant and she, she called it the left turn. So I call it the left turn too. Um, I think you just do it, but you know, know what you're getting into. If you feel like you can go for it. I don't think, I think <laughs> the fear of not being uncomfortable is what stops a lot of people from being the best they can be. And, you know, if you keep that in your mind and you're strategic about what you're doing and you have a plan, then you just let the universe like figure the rest out for you. What a great 15 second clips, Bea. You got to package that and promote that. I love that. <laughs> there you have quote. it. Uh, Ade, it's been great to have you. We have to keep up with you and see how you progress along as you build this. This sounds an amazing, amazing platform for content creators, especially musicians. Uh, maybe even folks that have been sitting on the fence about pursuing their music uh, talents. You know, there's a lot of people who have hidden talents like Carlos, who plays the flute really, really well. So thanks for being with us. Uh, stay with us as we go off the air. What do we got coming up tomorrow? We got one more show, right, Carlos? One more show, Julio, and that is with Vishal Sunak, the co-founder and CEO of Link Squares. The topic is going to be AI and contracts, elevating the legal team. That's what we have for tomorrow right here on Dojo Live at 12 p.m. Pacific. And, well, if... Thanks, uh, Ade, and thanks, my teammates as well as ever. Stay safe, everyone. See you. See you soon. Thank you. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com. <laughs>